0: Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line.
1: Hello, and thank you for choosing option three. You've reached Gay Wire, where everything's at least a little bit queer. It is I, once more, coming to you from Treaty 6, Region 4 of the Métis Nation, in a gay explosion, Artemis Peasley, she, her.
0: My name is Genevieve Asselin, and I also come from the same gay explosion, and I use any pronouns.
1: You're listening to CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton.
0: Today's episode is one of two parts where the absolute unstoppable onslaught of content that is Terrence speaks to Marty Peronik, uh, a woman who transitioned in the 70s, about her experiences, her friends, her jobs, and just what she's been through in her life.
1: This should be a very interesting and important episode to listen to just because of this underdocumented period of time. That is the late 1900s. That should make everyone feel very old.
2: Late 1900s. Let's hop right in. And just before we get started, this is Terrence Adams hopping in to give a quick content warning uh, about the interview you're about to hear with Marty Peronic. So the content warning includes... uh, graphic descriptions of homophobia and transphobia, as well as mentions of survival sex work, and a use of a slur. We also discuss the AIDS epidemic and suicide, as well as drug and alcohol addiction. So please take care of your brains, take care of your bodies, and without further ado, here is Terrence Adams speaking with Marty Peronic.
3: Sure, my name is uh, Marty Peronic, uh, and I am she and her.
4: Let's start at the beginning, I guess.
3: Yeah, and 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 just so that just so everybody knows, you you found me on TikTok, right? Like it was TikTok TikTok. Um, yes, and that's and my name is Marty Pants on social media. Usually, that's that's M-A-R-D-I-P-A-N-T-Z, Um on um, my. Uh, well, my YouTube channel is different, but you can find everything there. I've been I've been um I, I've been doing YouTube for about four years, and then um. Because I just came out, I didn't even realize that I wasn't even out. Like I was, I was living stealth, you know. And um, and I started social media in 2000, uh, really about 2014. I started Twitter and everything. And then I, uh, all the all of my friends were saying, "Why are you posting all this transgender stuff and everything?" And I was like, "I realized that some people didn't even know the T." And it's like that I've created this, this uh, because when you you know when you've uh, been uh, living this long in a trans experience, you know, my, I always start out my videos, you know, hi, my name's Marty. I'm a woman of a teen trans experience that started in 1977 when I was 15. So yeah, I'm 59. So it's like, um, there's a, there's a lot there. So, so I, 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 I just opened up about my, um, trans transness about four years ago. And I started a YouTube channel and, um, started because I realized that there wasn't, uh, any of us that well I know one person that survived from back then. One person, and um, from when we were kids and runaways, and we all have, always had to run away to the big cities to to um, to hit the streets to find um, um, to find uh, trans mothers that would um, you know take you in and let them live on your live on your uh, live on their living room floor, you know, with your little with your little sleeping bag and my little. You know, knapsack with the Canadian flag on it. I still remember it. I'm like, you know, 16-ish. and um, and I'd be sitting there. I'd be laying on the uh, I, I'd be uh, laying on the floor or sitting on the floor, watching every night like it was a like a ritual. Um, all of the uh, all of the older transsexuals because they were called transsexual and sex changes then. That's was that was the verbiage, and they'd be every night they they'd be sitting around the dining room table getting ready with their makeup mirrors. And, and I would just be just sucking in all the knowledge, right? Because there was no LGBTQ centers. There was nothing like that. Like you, it was just not even, you couldn't even fathom that that would even existed, right? We were so marginalized. So that's how us uh, kids figured out how to do this, shit, which is, which was, you know, highly dangerous and crazy. Right. And, um, and, um, you know, but that's what you did. You kind of, it was kind of like trying to find an apprenticeship, you know, it was, and and then you would just get their dry cleaning and clean their house and do all that stuff. And, and that's, that's kind of what you had to do. And, you know, and, and pose the the, the show pose kind of, you know, is saccharine sweet kind of covers that, you know, but you know, Paris is burning is really kind of like what it was like, you know what I mean? Uh, but just, just think of it West coast Canadian style, right? Like on Davie street, right? It was quite, quite remarkable, but, but yeah, that's how my journey started. I was like, I was, um, you know, flipping through a magazine, you know, in the loo at my, uh, and my mother had all of these like gossip magazines and stuff. And, and, and there was this, uh, there is this spread about Christine Jorgensen about like, I I don't know, maybe it was her 20th anniversary of the, the sex change, you know, of of North America, the first one. And, and I was like, my little brain, I think I was, I don't know, 10-ish or something that all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, you can do this you can actually do this. It's like, and they were saying you ha- most major cities were, um, you know, doing it or had, you know, um, ways that you could figure that out. So that's what kind of made me realize, okay, all I have to do, because I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, right back in like the sixties. So it was like, I knew at a young age, not to say anything because, you know, so many of my friends were, um, you know, a lot were caught by parents that were very, because everybody was so conservative. And the next thing, you know, you're seeing them and they're, they're, they're basically, uh, you know, like a Francis farmer thing, you know, they're, they're, they've had electric shock treatment to um, to make them not who they are. And, um, and so I knew just to kind of keep it all inside. And I I just had to grow up enough to figure out what to do and get the hell out of here, you know, and that's, kind of even even just saying this right now I can just feel my heart kind of fluttering because it was just so horrific back then so that that was my that was my coming out kind of stuff which is horrible that you know um that you had to do that but you know that's that's what I did I just ended up um you know finding in Calgary the kids uh around the uh there's uh, there was a major club called the Parkside Continental and it was off the fourth in uh Calgary and there's a big park beside it and all us they used to call us the tweenies of the forest (laughs) and so all of us young little we called ourselves gender friends then right Uh, because there was no words for non-binary right and me as an old person this is sidebar as an old person later on social media and I was seeing all this non-binary stuff and I my old trans brain was like going oh my god clutching my pearls like you know because I was so in the binary in my head right and then I realized oh my god it's like of course I, I had a non-binary for binary phase, but we just had to pick a lane really quick and 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 go for it because it was compulsory to be stealth and just to do it. And and it just made me get in touch with that. And um yeah, you know, watching the younger generation on TikTok and stuff, that's what gravitated me towards that because I knew I could just Learn so much for my inner child that never had that uh, experience to be able to to be able to just kind of be that and just to be around community and just to you know who knows how I would have turned out you know then because um you know there was just no choice back then so um yeah anyways I'm all over the map but it's like I'm I'm just so grateful that I'm living to uh, uh, living and being able to live with the younger generation and be exchange with each other, you know, because so many older transsexual women that I know they have these really binary brains and, you know, and I understand because like that's, uh, we live in fear still. And, um, but, you know, starting a YouTube channel and stuff it's like, I've gone from being kind of like that binary brain person to, uh, to completely understanding and doing my own work around that my inner transphobia and I've lost a lot of friends. Because of that, on um, so uh, uh, trans uh, content uh, providers that you know do not want to be in that camp sort of spe- uh, space, and and I'm, uh, you know, I, I know that for me it was uh, the only w- reason why I lived this long is because of kindness, and and uh, even even on top of all that a- armor of the crap that we had to do. Um, kindness and also to keep that open-minded to keep adapting and changing because it is evolution right so yeah sorry I just went on a spiel there
4: <laughs> no that was that was great there was lots of good stuff in there because I oh good I know that like as as a young teenager it was definitely the the internet that introduce me to terminology to describe myself that I never would have accessed some exactly. any other way and so it's it's kind of in- incredible that you like had that magazine to give you that information because like where would you find it otherwise
3: I know when you're older a lot of people when they're older in the back of like the you know the dirty mags you know it was you know because that's what we had to do to survive all those marginalized survival industries you know and um and um, and usually, you know, by that time, you know, your secondary characteristics have kicked in and it's like and a lot of people just wouldn't go through with it, you know, because I know for me, I probably wouldn't have done it if I had wasn't that fair Nordic thing, you know, I probably it was just way too crazy. It was just way too um, way, way too homophobic and transphobic out there like it was it wouldn't even make the papers if somebody was I remember my grandfather going oh yeah they found another one of those freaks on my mcleod trail that you know with his and they were um i don't know if i can say this but it's like they're basically castrated and 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 it was put in their mouth that's how sick it was and he's like laughing and i'm like going oh my god like i'm just like wow do i ever have to just keep this all buttoned up you know what i mean like because that's normal you know that was how scary it was
4: that's absolutely horrifying.
3: Um, It is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So uh, the, the, the atmosphere is obviously very, very horrifying. Um, So how, how do you survive under that?
3: Well, for me, unfortunately, like so many of us, I remember being on Davie street that first night and I freaked out as hell, like, Oh my God, we have to do all this stuff. Cause I was such a uh, you know, I'd run away from home basically. And, and I was going like, uh, and then I found out what I was going to have to do to survive. And, um, and I remember freaking out and somebody just giving me like some pills or something. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And there began my journey of the beast of drugs and alcohol, which completely consumed my life. Uh, and went hand in hand with all the f- fabulous, you know, becoming an ick girl in the, in the, you know, the punk uh, stealth trans drag scene, you know, back then and um, uh, you know, opening up for bands and, you know, performing in punk clubs and doing performance art and stuff. And, and um, but you know, it was hand in hand with drugs and alcohol back then. And, and I, luckily I hit the wall in 1991 and came into uh, recovery and haven't looked back since. So that's how I was able to survive. And so many, you know, Well, you know the story they, you know, either drugs, alcohol, murders, suicide, AIDS, AIDS was rampant, you know, so many, my bestest friend, um, had, had AIDS, and she AIDS and she killed herself. And I didn't even know until 20 years later that she even had it because it was, there was so much shame around it, but yeah. So there was all of those, it was a real dark time. It was horrible, you know? So when I, when I see the COVID happening and stuff, like so many of us that survived back then, you know, it's v- strangely familiar, you know, except the only thing is that, you know, we're doing so much more about it. Whereas, you know, we we let so many people die back then before we did stuff about it. So a lot of precious, precious, well, a whole generation is gone really.
4: I never thought about the the perspective of going through one epidemic and then a, a global pandemic and, and seeing the, the different responses to that, would you like to uh, elaborate on your, your thoughts? Yeah,
3: it's, um, it, it brings up a lot of resentment, you know, because, you know, I know that so many people would have been alive today if they would have uh, thrown the money at the, um, the cocktails that we had, the cocktails would have been uh, that, that you can use for full on AIDS, uh, you know, would have been, you know, probably, um, you know, I'm being hypothetical, but I'm sure it, we, uh, you know look at how fast we got the vaccine you know, it's, um, you know, I'm sure those cocktails would have done have been done away quicker. Like even when I was in recovery, like 1993, you know, one of my sponsees was this this uh, young gay guy that had AIDS and he died. And that was like, you know, it was still, you know, you know, um, and then the next year, you know, they've got these cocktails out and stuff. And um, so so, yeah, there there is a big difference uh, between that, because, of course, you know, you know uh forget about trans people gay people were like they even were you know we're like where trans people are now when it comes to the conversation you know everybody's losing their shit over you know trans people now and and and, uh, god we haven't even got to the non-binary yet I can see the non-binary people being the next ones to be like you know debated till ad nauseum right type of thing but but yeah when it comes to the uh, pandemic, yeah, lots of resentment and, and, and a lot of anger of people that won't freaking just, you know, the self-centeredness that they won't just take care of it themselves and others. So we can just move forward. And that was kind of like what it was, you know, with, with AIDS, it was just, you know, othering and all of this, uh, going back to sus- suspicion and all this medieval thought processes that are, and, and people, you know, um, Use it for their advantage, you know, whether it be politically or whatever the hell's going on. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, lots of stuff there. Yeah, lots of stuff there.
4: <laughs> it's interesting because I find that that on online a lot of young queer folk like don't don't seem to remember that this happened to people like us, and it wasn't that long ago. Um, and it's so unfortunate that there are so few people left to tell the story of what what happened and I don't know it it makes me personally upset uh but I I, I'm just very glad that you're you're here to tell us your your experience
3: oh yeah me too it's my it's my pleasure it it feels like a it it feels like it's a um like kind of one of those have tos type of thing you know because so many are gone and um it's almost like the Holocaust, right? Like, it's like, you got, we got to get all of this, this down because it's like, we're it's for, you know, because things can be rewritten and stuff, you know, because it's, um, you know, most people don't believe that. Like on TikTok, I get so many um, young people that just go, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, it's like, you know, you give me hope because I can't, didn't think I'd I'd live past like 25 or something. I get that over and over again. And, and all of these, um, their parents and communities that these people that uh, the kids that live in it that tell them that they that that it's a trend or a fad or it's just so mm-hmm. ridiculous right so so I love putting out content to just, you know, show that we're that that we're here and we exist, you know, yeah.
2: You,
4: you mentioned the the punk stealth trans scene. Um, and that sounds very intriguing. Would you mind telling us a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, well, see, when when my transition started and everything, it's like, um, um, you know, what I had to go on was my mother and stuff. Like a lot of people do, you know, they whatever they're transitioning as, they, they look to their parents and stuff or whatever. They're it's environmental, right? And my mom had a modeling agency, uh, and finishing school. That's how old I am. It's like <laughs> Lorraine School of Finishing and Modeling, and um, so you know, I I was like doing homework, watching. People walk around with books on their heads and all that stuff. And so I, so that was kind of like my, my trans brain kind of thought, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be, you know, because you know, that's the way I'm supposed to present. And it just didn't really sit with me well because I was really not into Barbies and all that sh- stuff you know, that much, or, and I wasn't into the G.I. Joe. I was kind of like in the middle with all that stuff. And, um, and then, um, and so when I ran away, thank God punk rock was happening was 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 really exploding on the west coast you know is a new wave you know like my trans mother said to me you know that one day at uh, one day at the um at the makeup table she looks down she goes she goes honey it's all about a new wave as she's like pulling a red streak through her blonde hair i'll never forget that and i was like wow mind blown right and i and she's dragging me around to clubs but then i saw this punk side that was happening and i really and the punk girls and these um and they were presenting not in the traditional way. And I, I really grooved on that. And, um, and I ended up, uh, moving to Victoria and becoming, um, part of, uh, becoming part of this leather girl gang called the speed Queens. Cause we hung out in this laundromat. We all met in this laundromat was, with, with speed queen washers and dryers. And so we called ourselves the speed Queens and they were all, um, always playing with, um, you know, uh, I don't know why to say gender, gender expression, because, you know, some of them were, everybody was kind of playing around with their sexuality and stuff too. And, and we're in the, you know, leathers there, or we we're in our whack gear, which means women's army corps, you know, (laughs) women's army corps outfits, like, you know, with the ripped up fishnets and winkle picker pointy shoes. And, you know, we go you know, we'd go, go to gay clubs and that were playing all the disco stuff and hold the DJ hostage and play all of our punk records that we brought type of thing. And, and we'd like open up for bands like, uh, like, um, where it would be like, uh, we were kind of like the sidekicks to the dayglo abortions and stuff that that was a bit famous punk band at the time in Victoria. And, um, Uh, And it was really great because it made me and then they introduced me to Nina Hagen and like uh, and like all of these like jewels and Diamanda Gallas and all of these really amazing um, uh, uh, punk rock. Singers and performance artists and stuff, and then I realized, oh my God, good, I don't have to be this like fufu, whatever. And fufu, I can do fufu. Sometimes I have that fufu moment, and I want to be all glamorama, ding dong. You know what I mean? But it's like it's so great that I could just, you know, it, it was really, it was really, um, it was huge for me as a as a woman of a trans experience to um, realize that, you know, there, you know, uh, what, you know, what being a woman is or isn't or it's it just it, there's there's no boundaries around it. So that was great. And then um and then I started performing I started lip syncing a lot of like Wendy O Williams from the Plans Plasmatics and stuff like that and you can catch some of that on my TikTok. I actually posted one today about it. And um and uh and you know Nina Hagen Susie and the Banshees, and me and my uh, girlfriend Tiggy she was this a uh, uh, young trans girl that I ran away with that was like a year and a half younger than me. she's the one that uh, killed herself uh, that had AIDS um, and we started performing we started becoming um, getting some notoriety in the clubs in, um, in when I moved back to Vancouver and so we were like headlining our own shows at the Love Affair which was um, w- which was a real uh, it was kind of a queer punk punkish place but queer in, in the sense that, it was mainly straight, but, but the straights were queer, <laughs> you know what I mean? If that makes sense, because to tell you the truth, the gay clubs were really freaking straight back then they were really, you know, binary straight brains. It's like, I, and I, we found that the artists, I found that the artistic punk community was much more, uh, um, um, well, they were part of it. They were kind of part, they were part of that, um, you know, playing with gender expression all that stuff, you know? And, um, so it was, I felt safer there than I did in most gay clubs and a lot of gay clubs, they wouldn't even let you in it. Like, especially if I was, we were in our punk gear and stuff, it was crazy. It was really weird. So it was very instrumental in forming me as a, as a young woman. And, um, and then I started doing performance art with Tiggy and we started making a name for ourselves. And then, um, unfortunately I went to, she drove me to detox because I was the mess, and and that's when I didn't look back and while I was getting my recovery the next year she had, uh, and I had to stay away from everybody. Uh, she 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 killed herself, uh, which was unfortunate. So um, I'm actually sitting on uh, on an album called Magdalene Ho that that I have not done anything with. and cause I'm scribbling and doing stuff and I don't know whether it's a play or a book or an audio book with music. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I would love to, um, uh, honor my friend Tiggy, who was an incredible creative. She was also a Métis from uh, f- a beautiful Métis trans woman from Saskatchewan with a, even a more horrific, uh, piece of trauma on top of all of everything that we are as trans people from back then. And, um, and I think that the whole um, uh, reconciliation and everything's happening in Canada and everything is just I, just, I just really feel like I really need to tell Tiggy's story like, uh, and th- that whole thing. And, um, and, um, and of course, the whole narrative about uh, being trans back then, but um, just honoring all of those pieces, right? So yeah, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, Oh, yeah, good. all of that good. and more. Oh, good. I can blab a bit
4: (laughs) yeah I um I love uh, what you said about uh the punk scene and the the way that gender expression was played with because it's when you read about it it, they don't say that that it's significant to queer history because they never say that it's significant to queer history but it's it's
3: and that's so crazy because one of the yeah. biggest punk rockers in New York was Jane County. Jane County was a, uh, you know, they call it the set transsexual back then, but she, she was like performing at CBGBs with everybody else, all the big punk rockers at the time. So it was huge. It's just kind of like how drag, like where they think that it's like, Oh my God, they're clutching their pearls because, you know, uh, women and, um, you know, cisgender women or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, um, trans women, you know, are like finally getting, uh, their recognition. And it's like, hello, it's like, we were always here. Like there is, I can name so many fabulous, like drag women from of drag and trans women of drag, you know, from back then too, you know, in Alberta even. Right. So it's kind of nice that, um, you know, we have all, all of these ways to communicate this. Yeah. And and leave leave a correct history yeah
4: yeah would you would you mind talking a bit more about drag in Alberta
3: yeah sure oh my god oh god the drag queen saved my little tranny ass I tell you it's like, and I can say that because I'm old uh, but it's like um but they um oh my god uh, I remember I remember uh, sneaking into gay clubs. This was after I got caught and brought back to Van- from Vancouver. Uh, so I had already figured out, you know, the ways of the magic eye line and, how, you know, all the, the moans and all that stuff, right? So um, so when I got, I got like taken back because I was underage, um, I started sneaking into the clubs in Calgary and um, and I never told anybody my age. So I, I was doing like... Um, drag shows at 17 and then I was headlining by the time I was 18 like doing Bette Midler like doing the whole Rose soundtrack live at last being like you know being you know the, the whole like a uh, wheelchair thing wheelchair you know uh you know mermaid you know act and everything like everything it was crazy with my harlettes and dancing at the back lot in Calgary when it was on 9th Avenue and it was like an after hours club and, uh, oh, my God, it was so great. Uh, um, uh, and these these drag queens there were were like my aunties and uh, stuff that um, because there was not there was not a there was not a there was not a trans scene in um, trans street scene in Calgary. Right. And and then to make, you know, uh, because. You know, I had a high overhead to take care of myself type of thing. I was always, you know, walking the dog as we used to call, which is, you know, prostitution. And, um, and we used to work in front of the Calgary Inn in Vancouver, in Calgary, uh, working with the girls, with the cisgender girls. So we were always doing it, um, undercover because I was non-op then too. Right. So like, this is scary. Like, I can't believe we, I even did that, you know, um that we did that and did it for so long. And, you know, and even the, the, I remember one night that the owner of the club would actually pick me up on the stroll and take me to work because he always wanted me working the door because I was, you know, the fabulous, you know, you know, come look at the fabulous young trans person type of thing. And, you know, kind of token bullshit, you know, that you just accepted. Uh, But this was a after hours gate club that, they were allowing punk stuff to come in and stuff so we uh so it was great and um and we kind of took over and, and i went from doing stuff like bet midler and all that and then i started to do that's when i started to flex, flex my muscles uh, me and tiggy flex our muscles and the, the whole backlog girls a bunch of punk punk trans young trans drag queens are they were they were actually they some of them just turned out to be you know, gay man afterwards. But but this whole the, everybody was expressing gender at this back lot. And we were doing a lot of the punk uh, icons at the time. And um, um, and and so many of our mothers our, our, the, the drag, the drag, you know, aunties, mothers, whatever you want to call them. They were doing all of the classic stuff at the park side. And and they were all like thinking that we were just, you know, uh, you know, they'd all kids just being kids with, with our punk music. And I remember them saying, Marty, it's like, why do you want to back your comb your hair like that? And wear like purple eyeliner and stuff. It's like, you're so pretty. It's like, why do you want to make yourself look ugly like that? And I'm going, it's punk rock, man. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I just remembered that because there was such, there was this such a disconnect. Right. Uh, but a lot of the freaky kids and stuff were coming to the, from, from all over, you know, town where, you know, we were creating this kind of culture at the back lot there, which was really kind of really cool. And then, and then I realized that I needed to go back to the coast because I needed to, um, you know, I had to, you know, smash these secondary characteristics that we going to want to come out soon. And I had to go to the doctors and all that stuff. So that's when I, um, and also the drag scene did not, uh, uh did not feel, um, I always felt like I was visiting. I always felt like I was visiting and um, it wasn't, but we injected uh, some cray cray in there because we, some good cray cray in there, because as I sat back in Vancouver doing my stuff there and I was getting reports out of Calgary and Edmonton and I'd go to flashbacks and stuff like that. Flashbacks was, you know, quite the place, you know, for, for entertainment back then as a, as a as a queer person. And um and we did infect that because it because it started to the the whole the whole queer non-binary culture, punk stuff, everything started to mix from there. So I'd like to say that, you know, our little troupe had a had a big hand in, you know, um infecting the queer scene of of um of Alberta and um yeah, and and you know, knocking out some of those rhinestones, you know, just that the, the compulsory rhinestones, you know, which is which are which are cool to wear, but you know, you know, gotta mix it up though. <laughs>
0: That was Marty Peronik, who spoke to our reporter Terrence Adams about Marty's life and her experiences as a trans woman through the decades.
2: And this is Terrence just jumping in quickly to remind you that that was part one of the interview with Marty Peronik. And you can catch part two next week. So stay tuned.
0: And now for a segment from our very special, Chanel.
2: Here
1: we go. Chanel segment, Homotextuals.
5: Hello and welcome to the next installment of Homotextuals. I'm your magical host, Janiel Ransinga, a part of the Gay Wire team here on CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, situated on Tree Six territory. First, the usual disclaimers. I am a cisgender, gay, ace man of color with my own set of experiences. Therefore my reviews are influenced and limited to those experiences. I will frequently refer to the LGBTQ2S community using the word queer as a catch-all term, or for characters whose sexualities are expressed as not straight. I'm aware that the word has been used as a slur in the past with attempts to reclaim it in the present, and may evoke mixed feelings. So, if this is offensive or triggering for you, you have been warned. With that out of the way, let us turn the page. <laughs> to start, we have Heartstopper by Alice Osman. This is a YA graphic novel with romance and drama. It contains a character or characters who are gay, pansexual, trans, and or lesbian. Trigger warnings include homophobia, including a forced outing, bullying, mental illness, such as depression, self-harm, and eating disorders. Charlie is the anxious and out student at his all-boys British school. He has resigned himself to remaining on the sidelines of school life, both for his safety and mental sanity. Then, Nick comes blazing into his life. The cheerful rugby player is a year above him, and one of the few on the team that didn't give Charlie a hard time when he was outed. Soon, the two strike up a friendship that stumps everyone around them. This graphic novel is one of my favorite comfort reads. The characters are so endearing and heart-wrenching to read. While there are plenty of heavy moments in the novel, there are just as many light moments and dogs. With anyone who has had struggles with mental illness, some parts of the plot may be a little much for you, so please take care when reading Heartstopper by Alice Osmond. Next, we have Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. This is a YA romantic, supernatural mystery with lots of comedy. It contains a character or characters who are gay and or trans. Trigger warnings include death, homophobia, transphobia, and physical abuse. Yadriel's identity as a trans man means he has been excluded from traditions and ceremonies reserved for the male brujo in his family. But tonight, Yadriel has proven them all wrong. Having undergone the ceremony to make him a full brujo in secret, he has received Lady Death's blessing and received the ability to summon spirits. Some problems. The summoned spirit, Julian Diaz, refuses to move on, and people are going missing. Could the two be connected? This was a nice, somewhat easy read. Aidan Thomas paints a vivid picture of many traditions and stories associated with Latin American culture. Definitely would recommend Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas when we get a little closer to Day of the Dead again. up is autobiography by christina lauren this is a ya romantic drama with a character or characters who are gay and or bisexual trigger warnings include homophobia biphobia and mental illness it's been three years since tanner scott's family moved from california to utah it's also been three years since a very bisexual tanner scott temporarily went back into the closet Thankfully, one semester is all that separates him from a college life far away from his very Mormon town. Sadly, this semester, he laid eyes on Sebastian Brother. Sebastian is the very handsome, accomplished novelist who is also the most Mormon boy in the whole school. Not going to lie, this was a rough read. As someone with a religious parent, this brought up a lot of tough subjects for me. All that said, it was wonderful to read another book from a bisexual point of view. I'm looking at you, Leon the Offbeat. Add in all the pining you could imagine, big fan of characters pining for each other, and you get a very compelling read. I hope you'll give Autobiography by Christina Lauren a try. Finally, we come to Check, Please, by Ngozi Ukazu. This is a graphic novel with romance and drama and pies. Trigger warnings include mental illness, such as depression, and physical injury. Biddy is the figure skating champion, budding blogger, and expert pie maker who has joined the Samwell hockey team. Through the lens of Biddy's vlog, we see him face all sorts of challenges, from the dreaded hockey check to the moody team captain, Jack. The solution? Probably bake a pie. I'm a sucker for romances with food themes. And finding one that is all that and queer? Sign me up. Definitely want more light higher reads on this list. Small warning though, a little bit of a slow burn. Or at least it felt like a slow burn to me. If you want something to read while you bake a pie, pick up Check Please by Ngozi Okazu. And that's all for this installment of Homotextuals. For those of you who are just tuning in, never fear, the books mentioned today were. Heartstopper by Alice Osman, Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, Autobiography by Christina Lauren, and Check Please by Ngozi Ukazu. As always, all books are available at the Edmonton Public Library or your local bookstore. If you have any suggestions for book recommendations, please email gaywire at cgsr.com. In the meantime, keep it breezy!
1: And that was Homotextuals, hosted by our very own, very special Chenille. He's a great guy. That guy reads a lot of books. And that is all the time we have for today.
0: Gay Wire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in so called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Metis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, including but not limited to the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Metis, Dene and Nakoda Sioux. We recognize that colonialism is an ongoing and act of violence, and we encourage you to reflect on your re- own relationship to colonialism and what accountability and growth look like for you and your communities. Give what you can and learn even more. Thank you to our guest, Marty Perone.
2: And Terrence, jumping in one last time, just to remind you that the interview you heard today was part one. Of my interview with Marty Peronic. And so you will be able to catch part two next week. Today's
1: show was produced by Shane Giles, joe Victor Krieger, Ash Alinda, Terrence Adams, Chanel Ranasinga, Jean-Viev Aslan, and myself, Artemis Peasley, follow Gaywire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on facebook and twitter at gaywire or on instagram and tiktok at gaywirecjsr tell us what you think of the show hit us up in the dm sometime or if you'd rather be fancy you can also email gaywirecjsr.com and you never know you might just get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is done by Travis Erickson. Our original music is done by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. And make sure not to change the station after this airing of your only and favorite queer radio show in Edmonton, because we have our music segment, Queer Jays, right after this. Until next week, keep it breezy and...
0: Please stay on the line.